0: Hard to believe is proud to be a part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. For more of this and other great shows, head to cageclub.me. If you want to get in touch with me, you can send me an email at john at cageclub.me, or you can find me on Twitter at Probably Real JB. That's probablyrealjb. That's P R O B A B L Y R E A L J B. The show is written, produced, and edited by me. We are skipping the intro today and just heading straight into the episode. So welcome to Hard to Believe. I am John Brooks, and I am joined by a couple of cage club stalwarts. Uh, <laughs> we have on my right, my my co-host's co-host, Joe Two from Too Fast Too Forever, the other podcast that Thank Joey you, Lewandowski Thanks. does, the one that I'm not in. Hello, Joe. How are you?
1: Good. How's it going?
0: It's going okay. Uh, I think I got a little bit of a sinus infection or something. I don't really know. It's that time of year. Yeah. Um, I have something that isn't COVID, so yeah. That's, that's good. good. Yay, yep. right yeah. <laughs> I don't mind the things that aren't COVID. Uh, I prefer not to have that again. On my left is Brian Rodriguez from High School Slumber Party. How are you, Brian?
2: I'm good. Uh, Joe, really quickly, if this was like some sort of inter- intervention, would you laugh a little bit?
1: Oh, Yeah. Yeah, because I will be like, I'm not stopping drinking. <laughs> so I'll be like, good luck, guys. Like, get in line. Other people
2: in your life emerge from the green room, and it's just like, Joe, we care about you. Yeah, just let Joe. me read my letter. Just let me read my letter.
0: We provided the drinks in the green room, and that's your last, that's your last hurrah.
1: They don't let you do your last drugs. They never do. <laughs> it's like part that's of the, the rules part. for intervention. Yeah, I
0: guess. I guess so. Uh, Why are we here today? Well, here's a couple things. There's some entertainment news that happened this weekend that made me think, it's time to sort of talk about this story. Um, About a year and a half ago, I did a palate cleanser episode with Joey and Teddy Smith about the time that Nicolas Cage went looking for the Holy Grail. Uh, I also didn't do an intro for that one because it's just sort of a fun palate-cleansing episode, as I said. And I had you guys on last year to talk about um, two Gabriel Byrne movies. Yes, Um, yeah. So I thought in the spirit of talking about movies and weird shit (laughs) uh, and quasi-religious themes, it'd be fun to have you on to tell you about the time or tell you the story of the greatest movie that will now never exist, um, thanks to news from this week. I assume that both of you are familiar with the 2000 Best Picture winner, Gladiator. Yes, yeah.
2: yes, of course. A hero, will rise, a, a hero will, will rise, I believe. A hero will rise. Brian, are you a fan of Gladiator? Am I a fan? I mean, yeah. I, I liked it when I saw it. I haven't seen it in at least a decade.
1: I agree. Yeah, it was big in my high school crowd, though. Like, I remember I I went to an all boys school. So, like, Gladiator (laughs) out up there. It's like Braveheart Gladiator. You know what I mean? Like, that's what they were juiced on and, you know, being 14 or whatever. So.
0: Well, Gladiator was a mammoth hit. Uh, Also, it won Best Picture and it won Best Actor for Russell Crowe um Mm -hmm. it's a great movie it's one of those movies I saw so let's see when that came out I was 20 going on 21 and one of those just like transcendent movie going experiences where it just it just felt like the movie just felt like it went on forever but in a good way and uh it's pretty awesome you don't really get great sort of cinematic experiences like that and of course for the last 20 some odd years uh because of its success People have wanted to make a sequel. Uh, And just last week, uh, a bunch of entertainment news outlets announced that plans are now underway for real for Gladiator 2, which is to be released on November the 22nd, 2024. So I'm just going to read you the quick blurb from Deadline uh, on this. It says, quote, After Sun Oscar nominated actor Paul Mescal is in talks to be in the film. As Deadline first told you, Scott produces with Michael Pruss, Doug Wick and Lucy Fisher off of David Scarpa's screenplay. As Justin Kroll first reported, Mescal isn't replacing Russell Crowe's Maximus from the first film, who died. He's playing Lucius, the son of Lucilla, who is now a grown man as the story takes place years after the first film ended. Lucius also was the nephew of Commodus, the son of Roman leader Marcus Aurelius, who murdered his father and seized the throne. Commodus wound up in the gladiator ring with Maximus, who, though mortally wounded, skewered the emperor before fading into the great beyond to reunite with his slain wife and son. Maximus saved the boy and his mother while avenging his own family and left a strong impression on the young Lucius. The film is slated for release on November the 22nd, 2024, and apparently, if reports are true, Ridley Scott is back to direct. Mm. Um, I don't hate this idea it sounds like a pretty good setup for a sequel um, I had heard some rumor that Lucius was now going to be emperor and that would be a historical but Lucius is a real character is a real person or was a real person uh, really was the son of Lucilla really was the grandson of Marcus Aurelius not too much is known about him or his life sort of after the fact. Uh, his brother went on to become a Roman senator, but he sort of faded into um, not very notable territory. So you can do a lot with the character and sort of play again with a kind of, you know, man of the people versus the emperor whatever. Uh, some of the themes in the original. There's 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 stuff to mine there. Um, it's not a terrible idea. Um, what it does mean, though, the bad news about it is that this means that we will never see the true Gladiator 2. And that is, of course, Gladiator 2 Christ Killer, written by Australian rocker Nick Cave. What? <laughs> oh, you didn't know Nick Cave wrote a sequel to Gladiator? I did called not. Christ Killer? <laughs> I did not. Okay. I was really hoping you didn't. <laughs>
2: I, I was literally like, "Is Gabriel Byrne gonna be in Gladiator 2? <laughs> what Us, I mean, it sounds like a cool movie. I'll watch it, but look, oh, please let 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 us in on this original. <laughs> people.
0: So here's the deal with Christ Killer Gladiator Two, written by Australian rock star Nick Cave. You guys know who Nick Cave is, yes? I am familiar. Yes,
1: I just looked him up. Yeah,
0: you just looked him up. Okay. Yes. Are you familiar with his music and his general vibe, Joe? Or did you just no. find out about him and looking him up just now?
1: Just, just found out about him, and I was I was wondering where he's from. So please <laughs> please enlighten me.
0: Brian, what do you know about Nick Cave? What's your general?
2: Just, just the general vibe. A couple songs here or there. I can't name yeah. them now, but I, I'm familiar with the personality and such. Uh, again, from what I've heard. I'm not like a super fan. What's by, his personality? By any like? means. I don't know. I remember like when I was really getting to music when I was young, like reading stuff about him in like the alternative press, if you will, oh, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't think Nick Cave is pretty, has pretty ever gotten mainstream success here, but certainly in yeah. like those alternative waves for sure.
0: If you combined Joe like imagine if Trent Reznor and Robert okay. Smith had a place where they met in the middle, Um, that's basically where you would find Nick Cave, somewhere between the like, goth industrial and sort of goth emo, (laughs) like poppy side of it. Another way to think of it is like if 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 Neil Gaiman were a rock star, uh, he he'd he'd be Nick Cave. Um, Okay, that's that's kind of the vibe. Uh, Anyway, he's a good friend of Russell Crowe's, and and the 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 life of Christ Killer began. In 2006, when Russell Crowe asked his friend and fellow Ozzie to take a stab at writing a sequel that would somehow involve Maximus, who inconveniently died at the end of Gladiator. So this has always been one of the issues with Gladiator um, yeah. and doing a sequel to it. <laughs> so, so much of what Gladiator is, is Russell Crowe and his character dies at the end. Uh, spoiler alert, movie's 23 years old. You should see it by now, but um, <laughs> <laughs> dies at the end of Gladiator. And, you know, Gladiator is great, and it's 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 great because it's a sword and sandals epic, and there's a lot of really great uh, arena battles, and it's just, it's it's the big, epic, handsome production and all that sort of thing. But one of the things that makes it great is this fantastic performance from Russell Crowe, and, like, a sequel is sort of, like, seems a little bit pointless for the most part if you don't have Crowe in there, because otherwise just make another... Maybe Different movie. Yeah. Sandals movie. Who cares? And that kind of sounds like what the new plan sequel basically is, which is, again, why it's kind of fine with me. Um, but as strange it might sound to pick Nick Cave as the guy to write it, he was actually not a stranger to film. In 1988, he wrote the film Ghosts of the Civil Dead, and he was also the writer behind 2005's critically praised The Proposition, starring Guy Pearce and Ray Winstone. Uh, he's also written. <laughs> he also wrote the score to that film alongside Warren Ellis, and the two would go on to score films like The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford, The Road, and Hell or High Water, among others. So he actually has some, some cinematic experience. He's written a couple films. He's written a bunch of scores. He's acted here and there. Um, so it's not as crazy as it sounds. Where things get crazy <laughs> <laughs> is when you find out the proposition for gladiator 2 by nick cave is all about so let's just first let's catch up with where we left off with gladiator 1 uh gladiator 1 features a bunch of um quasi supernatural elements right so you've got the the idea of the gods existing there's these visions that maximus has of elysium and of reuniting with his family and that sort of thing and there's this sort of illusion at the end of the movie if you guys remember where he's sort of like walking through the field like touching the grain um, and, he's, and he's reunited with his family in, in Elysium uh, Elysium is of course the, the, the heaven um, of, of the Roman world uh, the concept of Elysium actually is one of, it's really interesting, it's, it's one of the first not shitty afterlives uh, of, oh. of ancient western society Uh, It began as a, as a Greek idea. And it was the place where only the truly, truly greatest people went. Um, Everybody else just had to sort of like hang out in the dark forever (laughs) as part of their afterlife. Right. Um, Yeah. Most afterlives in general were considered to be for most people just kind of like shitty. Um, But as kind of Roman religion, evolved the idea of being able to achieve Elysium to like get yourself into the good afterlife became more and more um, normalized right and then of course you see that with like Christianity as being one of its sort of bases is like you can get into the good afterlife if you do the right thing Um, but Elysium is really popular with the uh, the cult of Mithraism that sort of thing, which is also popular among Roman military. And so like in the scene, the famous scene where, where Maximus is like, and if you find yourself alone, right, <laughs> with the sun on your face, you are in Elysium and you're already oh. dead. Um, that, yeah, it's great. Great scene. So uh, he's dead at the end of Gladiator 1, and now we have a sequel. Okay, so according to Cave himself, on a 2013 episode of the WTF podcast with Mark Maron, the plot of Gladiator 2 went like this, and I'm quoting directly from Nick Cave here. Maximus goes down to purgatory and is sent down by the gods who are dying in heaven because there's this one God, there's this Christ character down on earth who is gaining popularity, and so the many gods are dying, so they send the gladiator back to earth to kill Christ and his followers. In the end, you find out that Christ was his son, and he has to kill his son, and he was tricked by the gods. Maximus becomes the eternal warrior, and it ends with this 20-minute war scene, which follows all the wars in history, right up to Vietnam and all that sort of stuff, and it was wild. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it.
1: Did he did he close with and it was wild or did he add to, and it was wild? That's, okay. That's he
0: what the cave. Oh said God. about his own script.
1: Yeah, it was sick. <laughs> <laughs> that ending I wrote was like real sick, but like God.
2: Well, I mean, it, it's I don't know, I'm getting like Mad Max vibes in a sense like mm. the first Mad Max film like like, you know, uh, pre-road warrior was su- su- still surreal but sort of grounded and then obviously yeah. we get more of the world post apocalypse this if they made this movie this would have taken the gladiator franchise and then it would have become a <laughs> franchise sort of in this like again time warrior battle sort yeah. of thing you know yeah. and again uh, do i think it tarnishes the original gladiator yeah i'd say so <laughs> <laughs> do i kind of want to see where it goes a little yes bit. I yes
0: do. yes <laughs> Um would you like to hear a more sort of sober third party analysis of the script? Yes um, to get more details into what actually happens aside Who, from
1: who's it from? Is it did Russell Crowe read it?
0: <laughs> I will get to what Russell Crowe thought. In okay, a okay.
1: Sorry, sorry, okay. sorry.
0: <laughs> Um, All right. So, yes, there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, So this is from Matthew uh, Collider's Matthew Mosley, who is giving a synopsis. Uh, The Gladiator 2 script leaked online. I think it's still available. So you could actually read the whole thing if you wanted to, but you can also read a whole bunch of pretty in-depth analyses online, which is probably easier. Uh, Here's what uh, Mosley has to say about how it all pans out. Okay. Picking up shortly after Gladiator, Maximus awakes in Elysium, the Roman afterlife whose idyllic landscapes formed his final uh, waking thoughts before his tragic death. Only this is not the paradise he imagined, but rather a hellish environment populated by thieves and heavy rain and the souls too corrupted to ascend to the heavens. Guided by Mordecai, a guide of mysterious origin, though I should note that it's probably inspired by the biblical Mordecai, who is uh, from the book of Esther. Uh, He is taken before Jupiter and six other Roman deities where he is instructed to find and kill Hephaestus, one of their own who has betrayed them for another god. Complete their task and he will finally be reunited with his wife and son, achieving the dream he has held ever since the previous film. Soon after, he finds himself in Lyon many years after his death, rising out of the body of a dying Christian amid a massacre being orchestrated by Roman legionnaires. From here on, from here on out, the film follows Maximus as he returns to Rome, reunites with his old, old friend Juba, played by Jamin Huntsu, and contends with the new Emperor Lucius, Commodus' nephew, who has grown up just as heartless as his uncle. Except the fantasy doesn't stop there. While most of the film would return to the grounded tone of the original following Maximus' re- <laughs> resurrection, oh, with, okay. only, the recurring <laughs> president, with the, only the recurring presence of Mordecai serving to reinforce the otherworldly elements of the script. Cave would return to the land of the outlandish with much gusto for the finale. Following a series of events that see him being cursed to live forever, the film would end with a montage of Maximus fighting in various conflicts throughout history, such as the Crusades, World War II, and the Vietnam War. The final scene would see Maximus working at the Pentagon in modern-day America, continuing his eternal struggle against mankind's most depraved of emotions while still contending with the inability to reunite with his deceased family, roll credits <laughs> oh good good and then he just gets there, a job yeah.
1: at, a, at the pentagon at the end
2: That's cool.
0: <laughs> he gets a job at the pentagon at the end
1: yeah, yeah. wow what
0: do you think of that
2: movie <laughs> I, it doesn't I was thinking about all these sequels but then like I don't know if this leaves I guess it leaves room for sequels but is the third one set in modern day or the future perhaps or yeah I don't know I, th-
1: I think I think you have a nice area for spin-offs of like you could just do like the Vietnam War one, the Pentagon one, you know what I mean? Like it could just be like a situation where he just, <laughs> he just gets to play like a different guy. And you could just do period.
0: every war through history with Maximus at the center of it. And Russell Crowe being in all of these movies,
2: right? Exactly. As, as, yeah. as time went on, maybe like this would create a Russell Crowe sort of metaverse that like every yes, film he was no. actually in, he was actually Maximus, just having to go through the motions to see his family again. Like a beautiful mind, he had to go through that struggle. And okay. <laughs> Master and commander of the far side of the world is another mm-hmm. one of his struggles. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, but we know yeah, that he's actually ret- Maximus. On master and
0: commander into the Maximus <laughs> cinematic universe. What if um, Russell
1: Crowe actually is Maximus in real life, and his struggle is he has to play all these actors,
2: <laughs> characters, in other movies. And Nick Cave is just... You know, so, his like vehicle. Yeah, his vehicle, out. sort of like the Matthew, Mark, Luke and John of the Crow universe, sort <laughs> of the, <laughs> his, <laughs> his uh, you know, uh, gospel writer. I don't know what they call it. <laughs>
0: It's interesting you mentioned the Gospels in relation to Nick Cave. We're going to talk about Nick Cave's religious uh, disposition
1: in, in in a moment. Yeah, does he um, is he like? Oh, sorry, I have questions because like <laughs> yeah, if you write no, a movie called, like the Christ Killer, like is he yes. like you know what I like? There's like some there's something happening there, and like is he really <laughs> mad at Jesus or does he love him? I can't tell.
0: It's a that's a really really great question, and um, I think he would give you a very interesting answer to that question. Um, okay, and we're gonna talk more about him at the end. I want to talk more about this theoretical movie. So first of all, I like it's so fucking crazy but also it's also kind of perfect and i really really wish this movie had been made like i want to live in the universe where someone was like let's fucking do it um <laughs> let's 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 green light this movie i should say russell crowe when he read the script and talked to cave about it his quoted reaction was i don't like it night
1: <laughs> um <laughs> N- Nailed it. perfect okay He
0: specifically told Cave to, like, bring Maximus back to life somehow so that he could be in another glass. And Cave did, I think, the best possible job you could do to make it make sense and keep it sort of roughly thematically consistent with the original movie, which does play with the supernatural a little bit, enough so that you have this sort of in to be like, well, Elysium exists according to the movie and within the movie's sort of narrative why not put him there, have him interact with the gods? And, and the god stuff actually, like in the script, apparently doesn't go on that long. Like it doesn't, it doesn't get crazy. Like it's, 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 it's sort of told in a way that's sort of almost dreamlike in the same way that it is in the original Gladiator, right? So he, he okay. tries to sort of ground it as much as possible while also sort of making it wild and crazy and, and, um, and bizarre. So um, I kind of
2: love it. Joe, if this was in the Fastiverse, how yes. does Maximus come back?
1: <laughs> I mean, there's some low-hanging fruit here, but like, well, let me think of what I would want Mike Maximus to come. How would he come back? I think that it would be like a time jump where like, he goes to the future, but then goes back to the past to save himself and then both of them like <laughs> intertangle and like that's how fast and furious would handle this i think i could see that yeah like cool. like a future like the war future maximus comes back in a time machine that he found in the pentagon to <laughs> save nice previous maximus but then has to go back and then catch up with himself
2: later Ooh, the layers the layers i love it
0: it got me thinking about the sequels that so like, you know, quote unquote, jump the shark or, or sequels that are so like divorced from the, the the grounded reality of the original or just completely reinvent what the original did. Um, and one of the reasons, Joe, that I thought like you'd be interested in this is because that's sort of what the what the fast movies do.
1: Right. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, they've done it like there's there has been rumors that Gal Gadot is back for the 10th one, although she was not seen in the trailer and that will be like the third resurrection that they've had in the franchise. Sure, yeah. Of like um, people it, that were like clearly dead, missed a movie, and then just come back <laughs> like nothing happened.
0: <laughs> Can you think of other ones though that are like where, where the sequel is is just like the one that strikes me is like Highlander two. Right where where it turns out they're aliens or whatever, right, and like hmm. completely kind of rewrites the rules of the original. But like Highlander One's itself a supernatural themed fantasy. Huh. It's hard to think of like who who else did something like this.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to think. Usually it's well. around the
1: third one, not the second one, like when you were saying race right. two, right? Like it's usually not like, it's like grounded, grounded. Okay, what do we do next? And it's like, okay, fuck it, time travel. But like, yeah, so uh, hmm, I don't know. I mean, definitely Fast and the Furious, but that's, yeah.
2: Hmm. Horror movies can do it and like they pivot back sometimes too. But like, I feel like horror is a whole other conversation. Like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I mean, the Rambo movies, right, get increasingly yes. absurd. Oh, right. That, actually, that's a great example, because the first one, like, seen on its own, that's like, oh, man, PTSD, like, I, I get that. And then suddenly he's an action hero of tremendous proportions, almost invincible at certain points. Um, Die Hard eventually moves into that direction. It's still kind of, you know, John mm-hmm. McClane, but he's mm-hmm. jumping over stuff in later mm-hmm. films and stuff. I mean... You know, it's not just, oh, let me jump over this little pole here. It's like, let me jump between buildings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, um, there's, no, there's another one I was thinking of that's sort of like that, too. Uh, I mean, it generally is action film. Or even, you know, back to Stallone films, right? Like, the first Rocky is an Academy Award-winning movie. And yeah. Rocky II sort of does the same things as Rocky one, and that's why it's not as heralded, I suppose. And I love Rocky three, but, again, eventually rocky goes from this dummy everyman to true like somewhat of an invincible world champion he does have adverse adversity but he wins again again then they ground it towards the end too but there's character shifts there but it's not so much to the level of sci-fi world shifts i'm also trying to think of like i mean so let me let me ask you a question john are we genre bending here? I know there was supernatural stuff in the original, but yeah. do, does it seem like this one is going to be a more of a sci-fi thing? Or is it like 90% is in Rome and it's just like a gladiator tale that happens to be bookended by these two sci-fi elements. I, I cut ca- like, I
0: think this there's elements of it that I think are Nick cave being like, this is never going to happen. Like, one of the things he's talked about when he, when he, in in retrospect, is like when he was writing it, he kind of knew it was never going to happen. So he kind of like threw everything that he, every Mm. idea that he wanted at it. And so like the, the thing at the end where it's like Maximus through time is him, I think sort of meditating on his understanding of like human nature and conflict and violence and that sort of thing. And trying to like do something profound there. Um, I think if you look at sort of the way that he portrays the initial sort of we're sending you back from, from, from death. Like he gets resurrected. There's a lot of resurrection Christ imagery throughout this. It clearly has a sort of like religious, um, you know, theological under underpinning. But I, I, I also think that if done right, it could basically exist within the world that the first movie suggests. And that's why I think there's a way of doing it that would have been still over the top and crazy as like sequels tend to be right. Like everything going, going much harder and bigger. But I think there's a way that you could make this basic story that would be like crazy enough to justify it, but also like grounded enough to make it a, a a feel like an actual sequel to the first movie. It would certainly make you re sort of envision what the first movie was. Um, but in the right hands and with the right sort of uh edits i I think it I think it could be done and I do think there are there are sequels that go harder and crazier than this than this does in terms of kind of like pushing past the original vision and making something you know I think of the way like the Terminator series sort of eventually oh, played out yeah. as well, right where it's just like, what the fuck is happening now um you know is is sort of in the same vein yeah it's really again i really want to see this movie we're not going to because again this was 2006 and so russell crowe can't do this anymore um 20 years later uh not without heavy cgi and like deep faking or whatever else but like i kind of want there to be the technology where someone can mock up this movie (laughs) and just kind of make it with cgi just so i can see how it would play out because i think it would be just fucking crazy and wild
1: i think that i like and agree that the first part like the transitionary like go to elysium the gods are mad they they reincarnate them send them back down i think that that could play like it's the whole like war i'm in every war thing at the end that feels like (laughs) it's just like kind of too stuck added on to the end yeah yeah but, like, if you just ran with that, and even even if you did want to throw in the, like, he tries to kill Jesus, right? Like, that, that's what they're sending him for. Because, I, I mean, you could send him <laughs> back for any type of fucking reason that you want. But if they send him back to try to kill Jesus, like, even that, like, if that's, like, near the end, you could kind of get through that, too. But, like, having that, like, the reincarnation, the killing Jesus, and then you're in every war, I'm like, okay, this is just chaos now. Yeah. You got to drop one of them, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. I, I,
2: th- I think you guys have sold me on this a little bit. And I think, and like not even in a comedy way, I think that you could make this work even with the new sequel that they announced today, mm. just not the ending part, right? Like you had, what's the son? Uh, Lucius is his name? Yeah, Lucius. Yeah. You know, Lucius is, who knows, right? He's older. And maybe Russell Crowe, maybe Maximus took this deal to come back to Earth. And instead of doing the deed, he's living in Gaul among, you know, among the the wheat fields or wherever he was with his family. Like he just basically said, F you to the gods. And then Lucius basically has to find them. And, and maybe he's like, no, you have to kill Christ or something. I don't yeah. know. Or something along those lines. And then you could have older Russell Crowe. Yep. You know, so mm-hmm. I don't know. D- don't hold out hope. He might be in the sequel. You heard it from me. First. Well. You
0: are not totally out of line there because there has been some, um, some buzz that Russell Crowe will be back in, a, in that kind of capacity um, as a sort of, um, you know, a, a figure uh, who is still guiding Lucius um, in the afterlife in, oh. in some capacity. Um, there's also talk that Jimon Huntsu is going to be back um, because he doesn't die at the end and he would be an interesting person to um, link uh the Maximus Lucius um divide in some way. So I do think there's probably some elements of this that are really cool that will likely make it into um into the into the into the actual movie. And I hope so anyway. Because I don't hope it's just not a, a you know just a sort of rehash of <laughs> um of the first one with like Lucius is, you know kind of a second Maximus. But uh we shall see. I mean I'm glad that Scott's involved. if they're doing if they're doing a sequel without really Scott then no. <laughs> but if Ridley Scott likes it, then I'm 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 interested. You have my ear because Ridley Scott is uh, is amazing. Um, I do want to kind of unpack some of the stuff that probably again, like there's 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 some things in this summary that I think are worth addressing in sort of what wouldn't work and also what is sort of interesting in terms of what Cave is trying to do here. So first of all, um one thing is that he has Lucius as emperor and that never happened in history. And the original gladiator is certainly historical fantasy, but it, it doesn't veer too far from history. Um, Commodus did not die in the arena, but he was assassinated by a gladiator um, who was hired by the Senate to kill him. He was the, the way they, depict Commodus in the movie is probably pretty close to history. A lot of historical accounts of Commodus are much worse than what the movie portrays. Um, But those accounts were written by people who have a vendetta against him and shouldn't necessarily be taken entirely seriously. Um, So the movie itself is like, it's pretty good in terms of its history. Um, So there was an emperor named Lucius Verus, and, and Lucius's mother uh was married to him he then became he was adopted as Marcus Aurelius's brother um so Lucilla was the daughter of Marcus Aurelius Lucius was her first father uh husband and she and she named her son after him and so Lucius Verus the 2nd didn't become emperor and if you put him as emperor the way it does in in Cave story then you're violating history in a way that probably is not um something you can recover from. Uh, The other thing that he adds in here is when, (laughs) is when Maximus wakes up in Lyon in this massacre of Christians. So that actually did happen. That happened in one seventy seven AD, but it happened under Marcus Aurelius. So it's like 15 years before cave has it happened. It's an, it's an interesting place because it's like a gladiatorial arena where, where Christians are being murdered. And if you imagine like Maximus just waking up in the body of somebody in that moment. Right. And like, it's kind of interesting and cool because it's like the tables have turned a little bit, but um, it happened way earlier than his screenplay uh, allows for. So, so, I mean, all of this sort of weird, you know, God stuff aside, like that is also something that would be very difficult to square if you're trying to continue some sort of historical element to this. Um, I think the themes in it and sort of some of the things that uh, are alluded to are interesting. So like, It's not about someone going back and killing Jesus. And of course, Christ killer is a very loaded term. (laughs) If you know anything (laughs) about the history of that term, Um, I don't think any Hollywood studio would have allowed uh, anybody to name a movie Christ killer, given that that is a term used to slander Jews for like many, 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 many centuries. Uh, But okay. So, so here's the thing, right in the setup, the gods tell, and, and we know they're lying to him because we know that it's actually his son who is this evangelist who he has to go kill, who is the Christ. But he also tell they they tell him that it's Hephaestus who is who is the person who has betrayed them. All right, so do you guys know who Hephaestus is no. in the Greek pantheon?
1: No. Mm-hmm.
0: So first of all, the Romans would have referred to him as Vulcan, like the the god Vulcan is the equivalent of. Hephaestus. It's where we get the word volcano from, right? So volcanoes are are the are the uh, the forge of of Vulcan. Um, Vulcanizing, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Hephaestus. So Hephaestus is the is the inventor god. He's the smith. Um, and according to Homer, his story is that he was born in a sort of virgin birth to Hera. Um, Very and for Jesus. different. Yeah, for, for different reasons, he was cast out of Mount Olympus. Um, the most common explanation is because he was ugly um, and <laughs> sort of an eyesore. Did <laughs> and so like all ugly people, he becomes a genius. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But but no, there's this idea that he, because he sort of is uh, cast aside and, and forced to sort of spend time by himself, he learns how to be this like great inventor and he creates all of the technology that the that the Romans and Greeks would would use. And um he's connected directly to Prometheus um because it's the fire of Hephaestus that Prometheus steals in, in a lot of the tellings of that story. So there's like a lot of like close Jesus y Messianic elements to Hephaestus, which makes him and like the, the 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 fact that he's like the 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 son of a virgin of you know what a a virgin mm-hmm. birth or whatever. Yep. And also like the technically the son of zeus and so the son of god and etc right um and that it turns out that it's like not hephaestus but the son of maximus who is who is the person he's sent out to kill and that the son of maximus is like a a christian evangelist and that maybe he's also christ and that maybe it's it's so like it's really weird to like because because cave is kind of he's kind of creating a kind of like religious universality here, right? He's sort of saying that like this one religious story is like the story of all religious stories. And it's sort of like blending it into one thing. And this is jives with how sort of cave talks about his own religious experience. Um, It's pretty high minded. And also I should point out, the kind of shit that Ridley Scott fucking loves, right? Like this is this is Ridley Scott's like jam, this idea of like all these different stories and religious themes that get woven into his own work, right? If you think about like the religious, you know, iconography of like Alien and like Kingdom of Heaven and then even like, Prometheus, right, is an obvious one as well. Like he mm-hmm. loves that shit. So this yep. kind of seems like it was written by Cave in a certain way with like Ridley Scott in mind, um because he you know is is they're both interested in that sort of thing and it, and it feels like a real ridley scott sort of a movie where if the original gladiator didn't exist this would make
2: perfect sense for ridley scott you know what i mean yeah absolutely like it's it's more ridley scott than gladiator mm-hmm. in a weird way
0: um there's another really cool theme in here that i i think is interesting um do you guys are you guys uh into neil gaiman I mentioned him earlier.
1: No, I don't I'm even familiar. Know I mean, in t- have you ever
0: read or seen American Gods? I've heard of, not okay. seen or read. Okay. So the book American Gods and the TV series American Gods, um, both of which are great. Uh, they they explore a, a similar idea that cave is exploring here, which is <clears throat> the idea that seemed to have been present in the ancient world that gods. So if you've seen like Thor, right? Um, Gods are immortal, but can be killed, right? So, like, Thor lives forever, but you can kill him. (laughs) Odin lives forever, but you can kill him, right? So they can die in battle. They just can't die of, quote-unquote, natural causes, right? Yeah, makes sense. And and that seems to have been sort of a very typical theme in Western theology, sort of pre-Christian in the pre-Christian world. But there was also a sense that... So so I'll, I'll say this. So, like, if you if the Egyptians and like the Mesopotamians like fought a battle and the Egyptians won, there's, there's the idea that there's like a proxy war happening in the heavens where the Egyptian gods defeated the Mesopotamian gods in battle. And so, and so they have, they are, they are now lower or lesser or dead or whatever. And then like, that's how the, uh, some cultures adopt other cultures, gods, because they, they are defeated right by, by, um, by battle. So there's this idea that they can die, but there's also an idea that, that Gaiman uses in American Gods where if you don't believe in them, if, if they stop being worshipped, they die off. Like if they, if they literally become ideas that are no longer like relevant, they literally die. Um, and, and it seems like what he's playing with here is this idea that what Mars and Jupiter, who, who recruit Glad- uh, uh, Com- uh, Commodus Maximus uh, to go kill Hephaestus, what they're afraid of is this this Christ guy, whoever he is, or like, you know, this ambiguous figure and this other God that is being challenged, you know, challenging the Roman gods. Right. Um, and they're afraid of of losing relevance and, and dying out. So like the reason that he has to go hunt, hunt Hephaestus down or actually kill his son is because they're afraid of losing the theology war um, and, and being forgotten and dying. Uh, so American gods is this idea of like all these old world gods get brought to America through immigration and like, hang on for dear life. Right. Like in, in, in this new sort of American uh, 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 pantheon. Right. And so like, that's the whole sort of premise of American mm-hmm. gods. It's a very, it's a very funny um, sort of a, sort of a setup. So that's an awesome, interesting theme um, that I think again, would be, would be great to explore in a Ridley Scott movie in some way. Uh and it shows to me that Cave, like, has done his homework and, and actually has some really interesting things to say here, even if this might not be the best venue to do it. <laughs> um, so let's talk about Nick Cave. Uh, in recent years, Cave has been a lot more open about his interest in religion. And, and if you know his music, he, he a lot of it's about death. And he's, you know, it's always been sort of somber, um, rock and roll, dark shadows uh you know nerdy nerdy kind of rock uh but his more recent life has also been shaped by the real life deaths of his son arthur at age 15 from a fall off a cliff in 2015 which led cave to move from australia to los angeles and his son jethro who died in 2022 at the age of 31 Uh, the cause of jethro's death is undisclosed still but he was known to suffer from mental illnesses uh, in recent years, Cave has aligned himself more to the right of the political spectrum, denouncing atheism while still considering himself opposed to organized religion and in typical boomer fashion, decrying so-called wokeism and so-called counterculture. culture. The first of which just being a euphemism for civil rights and the second one being entirely made up. Uh, in September of 2022, Cave published the book Faith, Hope and Carnage, taken from conversations Cave had with the journalist Sean O'Hagan. In a review of the book on the website for ABC, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, Greg Clark writes, quote, Part of Cave's turn seems to involve an acknowledgement of the utility of faith. Faith works to increase well-being and provide meaning and purpose for most people. Cave discusses his experiences with Narcotics Anonymous and the practical help it provides for people to acknowledge the possibility of a higher power than themselves. I guess what I'm saying, Cave explains, is that believing itself has a certain utility, a spiritual and healing benefit, regardless of the actual existence of God. This seems to represent something of a current position for Cave on matters of religion. It is personally and creatively useful and might border on something close to true, but remains elusive. He contemplates a leap of faith. Quote, I think of late, I've grown increasingly impatient with my own skepticism. It feels obtuse and counterproductive, something that's simply standing in the way of a better lived life. I feel it would be good for me to get beyond it. I think I'd be happier if I stopped window shopping and just stepped through the door.
1: So he just wants to commit himself to a religion because he thinks it just makes him feel better?
0: I don't think so. I think what he's saying is he, he's, he wants to commit to a belief of some kind. Okay. And he hates religion, right? He's one of these guys very sort of typical, I think, of his generation, who is very skeptical of religion as an institution, but he obsesses over the Bible. Um, he he has spoken a lot. Like he used to be really into the Old Testament, then he got into the New Testament. He, he wrote like, he's written like about the gospel of Mark, um, but he's not a Christian. <laughs> like he doesn't identify himself as a Christian. He doesn't identify himself as like a Jesus freak or a Jesus follower. He's this guy who's like, he doesn't believe in a personal God. He said that out loud, right? He okay. doesn't believe that God is like a, it's like a, like a prayer answering entity. So he believes that there's this like great ultimate spirit of the beyond and that he, he just can't commit himself to like defining what that is. It's really, like it is his, yeah. his religious. It's really interesting. Like it really, really is interesting Um, the way that he talks about it, but, it sort of makes this movie make more sense.
2: <laughs> definitely. <laughs> right? de- definitely. He also seems like he has a lot of time on his hands and his... A lot of time. To- I, yeah, <laughs> I get that, that feeling too, Brian. Um, yeah, because <laughs> uh, yeah, like in you know, the Nick Cave, I knew was basically, you know, paint a picture. It's 2004 um, on I don't even know what they are, right? Just like proto-internet websites that tell you hey if you like this music you should download this song you know and i'm starting to listen to that music there um you know garden state soundtrack things like that too <laughs> you know i'm going down that route it's, it's high school yeah and then i'm occasionally seeing articles about nick cave that i'm gently reading throughout the years right and essentially they all have the tone of this guy's crazy like oh so i'm not saying he's crazy i'm just saying the the articles that are articles yeah yeah directed him that way um so what you're saying is colored in like this 20 year history for me which is which is nice and interesting and again i think he and i get it like if you lost two sons that would make you think a lot about this kind of stuff yeah um please don't shoehorn it into my sequels though of of these kind of films you know like I'm not interested in that at least for stuff like this right like maybe a different yeah. kind of movie or even like again if he wants to write a separate movie for ridley scott great but i don't know gladiator is one of these cool weird moments where it's like this awesome epic movie was also well received by critics and got oscars right this isn't armageddon yep. or something like that like that this yeah. is like a movie that crossed over to both sides of that old debate and i wouldn't want sequels to come out and sort of tarnish that like i mean who knows what this sequel will do this this new sequel right maybe enough time has passed but i mean as much as i want to see the wild nick cave sequel (laughs) i don't know if there's a way at all that it doesn't take away from the original film
1: Animated. It's animated and it's released <laughs> as like an hour long animation that yeah. is on the front end of the new Gladiators DVD release.
0: Yeah, like those those missing Doctor Who episodes that got turned into animated episodes instead, um, or, or the
2: Animatrix, right? Yeah,
0: or or the the thing that the Watchmen thing, the Curse of the of the Black oh, Girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or the, what is it, the Black um, whatever it's called. I know. You're yeah you know what I'm talking about uh don't don't come at me please um i I love it it's great uh yeah that sort of thing I think would would be i mean i don't I still don't think it's gonna happen i I think what's interesting is like he wrote this before his sons died and and it's still is sort of like this meditation on like a you know a parent's obsession with death and like he kills his own son accidentally even though his son he thought it was it's, like it's really it's interesting that that's sort of always been something that's been on on his mind and um you know, I think his his obsession with death has been part of his artistic legacy. Um, He's not crazy by any means. Like he's a very, I disagree with him on a lot of things, obviously, but like, he's a very thoughtful, um, he's not a superficial person. Like when he talks about not being a Christian, uh, but still really liking the Bible and Jesus, most people who talk that way are idiots um, and incredibly superficial about it. But like, he has really done his homework. And and I, I do think it to me, I think when he set out to write this, basically what his, his kind of um, philosophy was, was like, look, if you're going to make a like you're making, you want a sequel because, because Russell Crowe's really big. This movie was huge. It was a one-off thing. He dies at the end and you want more money out of this. (laughs) And so I think his, 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 his way of, of going forward with that was like, fine. If that's like if that's what you want, here's what it's got to be, right? Like here's the only fucking option and here's how you make it interesting and relevant and and you do something that is artistically, you know, ha- has merit to it. And I think I think this is it. Like I think that's that's I think like now if you're going to do something that's just like another Ridley Scott sword and sandals epic that's loosely tied to Gladiator, yes, the movie that they're going to make is the movie you should make, right? But if you want the Russell Crowe sequel that the studios (laughs) wanted, this is your fucking movie. And I think a part of of it was him basically being like, do you know how absurd this is? Like, not just my script, but your idea for making a sequel to this movie, leave it alone. It's a a perfect movie as it is. Let it fucking go. And Hollywood is never going to make a movie like this ever, 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 unless I'm in charge of it, in which case (laughs) they would make a lot of movies like this because like, I think it's fucking rad.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I would love to see it, too. Just because I like how chaos turns out like this. Like, just give him give him full money and vision too. just like let him do it. Like, (laughs) I want lots of CGI for all the different wars, like I like costumes, practical effects, fucking the whole thing.
2: You you know what I appreciate about him, though? Like what? A lot of times. Yeah, about cave, especially, you know, in regards to the script. A lot of times these things gain internet legend status and then the original writer sort of hides it away, doesn't want to talk about it. We never see the script. They just become an urban legend. But if the script's online, clearly he released it, right? If he's in (laughs) interviews talking about it, that's pretty awesome. Like, own your work. And he's, you know, somewhat proud of it. So I give him a lot of credit for just being like, yes, it's true. I wrote this and this is what I meant by it. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, I, I I agree. I think of all the movies that have never existed, this one has existed the most. Um, yeah, of Good point. <laughs> yeah. <of> like <laughs> like being a thing that's in the popular imagination, that he still gets asked about and is still willing to talk about. And every time Gladiator Two, like the you know makes the rumor mill or whatever, like people bring this up uh, and being like, "Have you read the batshit crazy fucking <laughs> <this> script?" <laughs> you know, um, I, I think that's great, and I, I do think that it does have a, a kind of it is it's a movie that it exists in people's head canon and like will never have to be compared to anything that's real is in some ways kind of a blessing as well. Um, you know, I, I I can like see this movie in my head and I kind of love it. <laughs>
1: yeah, you can make it whatever you want. It's kind of genius that he is so open about it because like then it's not mysterious, but also you can still play it in your head. You're like, that'll probably be a pretty good movie, right? Like, I, I want to see it, and like he gets away with like making a good movie that is insane on paper yeah and not having to produce it or have it fail it's just like it just exists in your head i love it
2: has has anyone done like a uh table reading of this like you know those like celebrity table reading stuff Mm. that sounds fun
0: it does sound fun um i don't think so but uh (laughs) it would be great i i do i would love to see it like have some kind of a, a real life somehow right whether it's that or like an animated version of it or whatever but um who 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 knows you know I, i also there's a part of me as well that um one of the reasons i'm kind of glad that the sequel to gladiator is going to be what it's going to be is that it kind of is just going to be another really great ridley scott sword and sandals epic and like tangentially connected to the first one and the first one is such a standalone movie it's so it's so it's so singular that like i don't want a sequel to it you know i feel the same way like a, a show that i loved this this year the bear um i don't know if you guys have watched the bear but it's terrific yeah. um and i'm like i know that's going to be a season two and I'm, I'm kind of glad but also like it's just perfect and like just let it that's that's that what a great story like as is i kind of want it to be over um and i always have that sort of conflict and i know that rarely is something like I'm I'm almost I really wanted Lindelof to do another season of Watchmen but I'm also super glad that he didn't because it's so fucking good I'm just like done that's put a pin in it like that is that is that is perfect so like sometimes I'm grateful when sequels don't happen um even if a part of me really wants the the story to 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 go on and of course like more and more that's what the the machine wants but um question for you guys then as as a as a little just a little what if if you could see a sequel to a movie where the main character dies at the end (laughs) there's one movie where like a main or 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 some movie where like there already is a sequel but a character dies and they get they get brought back to life uh what 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 would that be hmm Aside from Titanic Two, Jack's Revenge, which you oh, know yeah. we, we
2: we've all we've all <laughs> not, that would be awesome. Um, sort of piggybacking on your point, and I know I already mentioned Rocky, but I'm na- <laughs> I'm now thinking about first if they never made a Rocky sequel, that movie would have such a a less profitable but more like cinematic legacy. You you would yes. you wouldn't say Rocky and like sort of. Giggle with people like my wife won't watch a single Rocky film because she thinks they're all dumb. And I'm like, no, the first one won an Academy Award. Um, yeah, but like, okay, and then I'm gonna undo everything I said and say, I wonder if Apollo Creed sort of came back in the newer Creed films somehow and just mm. like, oh, I, I you thought I was actually dead? No, I just had to go into hiding or something. <laughs> it's like, I'm proud of you, son. Like, and, that, and that's how the newest trilogy ends. I don't know because oh. that, that's okay. That's a really big film death. The other film death, and this is so random, but like a film death that always gets to me. It's in a surprising movie, but it's when Jeff Daniels dies in Speed. <gasps> right? I was like, okay. what? Yep. No, you I know, like what I like mean? it. I like it. Yep. If, if If Speed Two Cruise Control was not what it was, <laughs> and Keanu came back, and somehow Jeff Daniels was not dead, not dead. Mm, I would. Be, I like it. I would be so happy. I don't know. I mean, that that was a always impacted me that death.
0: Yeah, Speed Two Cruise Control is a great example of a movie where like the main character didn't die, and you still didn't get him back to the sequel, and it's awful. Um, <laughs> but I, I will I will accept those answers. Um Joey, you can you can interpret it however you want.
1: I don't know. Like I guess that my biggest one would have always been Han coming back to Fast and the Furious, but they did bring Han back to the yeah. Fast and the Furious. So yeah. like Like now we campaign for Gal to come back because we never really see a body with her. So (laughs) if I have to add somebody back to a like, I mean, obviously I have Fast and the Furious on the brain. I talk about all the time and the trailer came out yesterday. So that's all I've been thinking about. So, yeah, I think that I would add Gal back to Fast and the Furious. And that's what I want, even though there's like seven of these and there is a chance that she's probably resurrected anyway. That's where I'm leaning.
0: The one for me that I would love to see is that for a while, Neil Blomkamp was, was, um, creating a new alien movie, which would have been a direct sequel to aliens, which would have resurrected Hicks. Um, oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which it sounded fucking wild and cool and, uh, never got off the ground, but, and I think it was going to like ignore alien three and, uh, yeah anyway i mean
1: (laughs) that you just like skip you only use the good ones and then skip the one that you didn't like
0: yeah doesn't the new like halloween series do that
1: i think think joey did said he did yeah because he just watched all of them like recently and i think he said yeah they they also just cut a few of them out
0: yeah i think it's i think the new series are direct sequels to like the first halloween movie and pretend that like halloween h20 didn't exist or whatever but like yeah Yeah,
2: that's accurate yeah
0: yeah, and you can do that kind of shit now because people are just like, canon, not canon, who fucking cares? Like, <laughs> it's, you know... Uh, it begun... five,
1: I think the rules get loosey-goosey. You can kind of just, like, yeah. use whatever you want.
0: Yeah. Um, hmm. But, you know, Resurrections in the Alien franchise are hardly... Um, <laughs> I was going to
2: say. I'm trying to think of other uh, movie deaths. Does... <laughs> like, what would be the most sacrilegious of all... Like I mean, again, Braveheart two, brave, yes, that'd be great. <laughs> oh, I mean, could Wallace's it, Revenge. Couldn't you do something similar to to the the script you were just discussing? Right, like yeah, the gladiator yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean. Is it that? Fun? Well, Braveheart
0: guess... is, is far more ahistorical than, than Gladiator is.
2: The I know, I...
0: And the historical problems of Braveheart are legion. It's <laughs> too difficult like, enough to fill an entire podcast. Well, episode, yeah. Mel
2: Gibson yeah. is famous for that, isn't he?
0: But Mel Gibson does love a resurrection. And there is a, a The Passion of the Christ 2 currently I... in development. Oh,
2: yeah. I just read that. Oh, I was just going to say this. Yeah, yeah. that. Was... Oh, man. And quite literally a resurrection, right? Like, yeah. I'm assuming that's what it's about. Yep. Yeah, it got to be like the Easter half, right? Like <laughs> the, like Act 2. The half that people don't talk about as much. I don't see a lot of movies about that part. So make, he's yeah. on. To something. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's also kind of the mm-hmm. boring half. You know, let's be honest. It is. <laughs> Jesus comes back and talks to his friends for 40 days. And, and then, goes, then leaves yep. again. And then leaves yeah. again. Yeah, yep. like I don't know where the drama is there. And nobody
0: gets vicious, viciously tortured. So there's not much for Mel Gibson to, to really latch <laughs> right. on to there. Because we know how much he loves... Uh... You know, seeing people viciously torn to shreds um, in his movies. This little martyrdom complex. But
1: anyway, uh, well, this was fun. Thank you. I learned a ton today. Yeah. I didn't know anything that was about to happen. John invited us with silence. So... I, I didn't know what was going to happen, and uh, <laughs> I learned about a really fun time gladiator movie that was just half cocked.
2: You are the master of the rabbit hole, right? Like you, you create the rabbit <laughs> holes, and then we, we can go in after we log off and, and explore even there further, which is. I know I will.
1: Yeah, I need to go read this cri- this script, man. Go read I actually want to do a re- I want to do a reading, John. If you ever need Brian and I to play auxiliary characters in a voice reading of the script, I volunteer both of us. Absolutely. We can
0: do it. We can do a Cage Club um, group reading of Gladiator 2 that we can just put out as a podcast. That would be
2: I'm in, <laughs> so. I'm in.
1: I'd try. I'd practice. I would, I would actually read it and take voice cue notes on the paper. <laughs> That's how dedicated I would be, I promise.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, go ahead and tell people about your podcast and stuff before we go.
1: Joe? Oh, my name's Joe too. I usually am found on Too Fast Too Forever. I you were gonna start rapping? No, on Too Fast Too Forever on the Cage Club Podcast Network, where we talk about Fast and Furious films and all kinds of other films. And uh, these guys have obviously been on our show. Uh, new Fast and Furious trailer just came out. Go listen to the new trailer episode, the trailer reaction episode. That'll be fun. And the new movie comes out in May, so hopefully you guys join us to go see it together.
2: Awesome. cool awesome and and i am the host of high school slumber party we talk teen films we're doing a very very long deep dive into all the teen films of 2020 a little preview for you guys there also my other show which i host with mike manzi uncle francis's wine cellar where we talk the films of francis ford coppola all the cuts all the fun there and uh Joe and I have a secret project that we're working Ooh. on that that's not real, but <laughs> it's it's one of our many real Is it projects. Gladiator the... two, Christ Killer? No no close. I, to be honest, I pitched it. Close. I pitched it to Joe the other day, cool. and it, it is Coastal Grand Bros, where we're going to talk some Coastal Grandma <laughs> movies together, and maybe you know <laughs> make cocktails and drink wine. So uh, if that, it's be a, a lot of lemonade, like a lot
1: of juice-based cocktails. Yeah, absolutely, like, absolutely. Right? So, like swirly straws, pitcher and carafe. <laughs> like that's what it needs to happen
2: in in our Coastal Grand Bro attire. One day, one day. But uh, until let's, that show let's... comes. out. Out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh check ch- and you can check me out all the time on Too Fast Too Forever, especially the Patreon episodes. I do this a lot. So. <laughs> the after dark episodes. After dark, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Too fast, too forever nights.
0: Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. Well, we'll have to do a sequel to this episode, speaking of sequels, when the movie actually comes out and see yeah. what we thought about. Gladi- the real Gladiator 2, when it comes out, and see if there's any of those elements of Nick Cave.
2: Oh, oh, wait, quick. I thought of you the other day, John, because oh yeah, uh, my wife and I were randomly watching that show Vikings. Well, she was watching the, new- yeah, the newer one. Yeah, go ahead, then- sure yeah, and then she watched the whole thing and I'm like, you know, this is like a sequel show to another show. She's like, what? So we started oh, to watch Vikings Vikings and Gabriel Byrne is in the first season. so He oh. sure is. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So sorry, mm-hmm. just had to interject that. <laughs> it's
2: perfect. Wait, so
0: your wife was watching Valhalla and didn't realize that there was a like s- six
2: seasons of another show. No, because like sequel? if you look, they're all on different streaming services. Uh, and I think oh, like, whatever Valhalla was yeah. on, like she's like, oh, this seems interesting binged it all, didn't, like, I, and I think everyone here, because we're podcasters, like, or especially me, and I know you, John, maybe you, Joe, I'm not sure, but, are on the phone researching while watching things, or like, oh, that looks interesting, you know? <laughs> yeah. My yeah, wife yeah, yeah, does yeah. not do that. She just sits down and watches. So, yeah, blew her just mind. Just clicks go. Yeah, it's
1: click- like the Netflix title card that
2: got her. Yeah, exactly. So then again, we wow. started watching Vikings, and that's been an epic journey. So it's been pretty cool.
0: Vikings began on History Channel. Uh, then its final, I think, two seasons were on Amazon, and then the sequel series Valhalla is on Netflix. So yeah, it's it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's it been sometimes yeah, it's been all over the place. But I'm, I'm a big fan of Vikings. I've I've seen I've seen the whole thing, and um, yeah, it's great. So glad you're getting into it. It's one of those shows that like a lot of people for some reason just like overlooked and missed. So um, it's rad. But yes, Gabriel Byrne is in the first season. But spoiler alert, not the second. <laughs> season. So won't tell you why, but yeah, you know it's Vikings. So <laughs> exactly, they are known. They are known for for certain things. Uh, anyhow, uh, <laughs> this was fun. I'll we'll get back to like serious things next week I guess probably but needed a break um so
2: thanks for inviting us on bud yeah anytime anytime crazy weird movie uh good to have you guys uh be
0: well and we will see you